Well, good morning. Good to see y'all again. Um, my family and I had the privilege of being here last week, and I, know, I recognize a lot of faces, some new faces. Um, I am the church planting pastor of New City Fellowship up in Orangeburg, South Carolina, and uh, we've been going at that for about two years, and um, been meeting in our house for the last year, and beginning in September, Lord willing, the plan is to begin meeting for worship weekly on Sunday nights. Um, so I asked last week for y'all to pray for us. If you would continue to do that, um, you can follow us on Facebook. Just look for New City Orangeburg, and you can find us on there. Um, or our website is newcityorangeburg.com. Okay, PSA is over. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer again and, and ask for his blessing on the preaching of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we, um, we don't have what it takes, Lord, to, to hear from you. We don't have ears to hear unless you open them. And so, Father, we ask that you would meet with us now. You would, by your Spirit, give us ears to hear. Open up our minds and our thoughts so that we can hear what you have to say to us today from your Scripture and through the the working of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would meet with us in Christ's name. Amen. Now, um, are you guys familiar with the Onion satire newspaper? Um, you may, I'm going to pull this up a little bit, sorry. Um, a couple of years ago, am I, am I going to be successful in doing this? Let's see. Nope, it's Okay. A couple of years ago, there was an article that you may have seen, and the title of it was this, Six-Day Visit to Rural African Village Completely Changes Woman's Facebook Profile Picture. From St. Louis, the article continues, Calling the experience completely transformative, local 22-year-old Angela Fisher told reporters Tuesday that her six-day visit to the rural Malawian village of Nino has completely changed her profile picture on Facebook. As soon as I walked into that dusty remote town and the smiling children started coming up to me, I just knew my Facebook profile photo would change forever, said Fisher, noting that she realized early in her nearly week-long visit just how narrow and unworldly her previous Facebook profile photos had been. I don't think my profile photo will ever be the same, Not after the experience of taking such incredible pictures with my arms around all those small African children's shoulders. Honestly, I can't even imagine going back to my old Facebook photo of my roommate roommate and I at an outdoor concert. Since returning, Fisher said she has been encouraging every one of her friends to visit Africa, promising that it would change their profile photos as well. Now, this is satire, right? But... It really strikes a nerve for us, I think it does for me, because we know that so often it's truth, that the Christianity that we practice is often about boasting in our good deeds. It's about putting on a good show. Why do we do this? Why are we such suckers for the false religion of works righteousness? I think it's because God actually created us to boast We were made to boast. But the question is, of course, what are we supposed to boast in? 
In most of Paul's letters, as we near the end of Galatians, he uses the final paragraph to, to do what? To give out a greeting. To say, hey, you know what? I just want to say thank you to, to this person, to that person. But here, true to form in Galatians, after urging the church to walk by the Spirit, Paul returns to that main message of his letter. And it is a warning, and it is this. False religion boasts in the flesh. And that's our first point for the sermon. False religion boasts in the flesh. Let's take a look at the first few verses of this passage. We're in Galatians chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 11 through 13 if you want to follow along. This is God's word. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. At this point... Paul takes up the stylus from his secretary and he scratches out this final warning in his own handwriting. And he does it with what kind of letters? Big letters, right? He says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. He writes in big letters because he wants to get their attention. It's kind of like how sometimes when you're sending an email, you write everything in all caps at a certain point, to emphasize and to show this is the part you need to pay attention to. This, I'm serious about this part. Remember how, how Paul opened his letter? He said, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you to the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. That's from the first chapter. He's writing in all caps. And you never write an entire letter in all caps unless you're a sociopath. You know who you are. But you only write the part that you really want to emphasize. And Paul really wants to emphasize to these believers this message that false religion boasts in the flesh. But the danger with false religion is that it appeals to our flesh. It appeals to our natural desires. If you turn the television to the false religion channel, you will see a continuous program of well-dressed, well-manicured preachers and teachers presenting a Christianity that is fit for prime time. Easy to see that that's a false religion, perhaps. Easy to see that they're making a good showing in the flesh. But false religion is more like the girl who went to Africa with a good purpose, but really just to get an awesome profile picture. That's the kind of false religion that we need to be mindful of from this passage. And so, Paul is going to point out a few characteristics of those who follow a different gospel. And we're going to highlight three of those from this first section. And the first characteristic is that they avoid rejection. Look with me at verse 12. He says, They force you to be circumcised only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. 
Now, why would the cross of Christ lead to persecution? Well, there's nothing more controversial than the cross. It means that things were so bad with humanity that it took the Son of God to come down from heaven to take on our flesh and to die in our place to save us from our pathetic condition. That's what the cross says. It says, you are helpless. And nobody wants to be told that they're helpless. The cross means that you are helpless sinner. And that's offensive. False teachers will never mention sin, but will talk about bad habits. They will never mention hell and the wrath of God because those things are too negative. But they will instead focus on being positive because they want their churches to grow. And so they avoid rejection. False teachers will cozy up to political parties. They will never speak against those in power unless there's some benefit to them. There's no prophetic voice to the false teacher. They don't write letters like Paul does. Hip-hop artist and pastor Shy Lin, who some of you may be familiar with, penned these words in a song entitled False Teachers. I'm only going to read a portion of it. And I'm going to read it, not rap it. Okay, It's going to be authentic. He wrote, My heart breaks even now as I'm rhyming. You want to know what all false teachers have in common? What? It's called selfism, the fastest growing religion. They just dress it up and call it Christian. Don't be deceived by this funny biz. If you come to Jesus for money, then he's not your God. Money is. Jesus is not a means to an end. The gospel is. He came to redeem us from sin. And that is the message forever I yell. If you're living your best life now, you're headed for hell. Now, Brother Shy doesn't mince words. False religion is a mockery of the gospel of Christ. It's easy for us to pick on the TBN crowd, okay? And he names names. <laughs> it's easy for us to pick on the TBN crowd, crowd with their golden thrones and their plastic smiles. But false gospels are no stranger to our churches. It just manifests differently. We may not boast in health and wealth, but we do boast in our put-together families and in our put-together lives. Think about this. The homeless, the ex-con, the single mother, the divorced man, the elderly poor, the unemployed. Would they feel welcomed here? There's a subtle false religion in our churches, our churches, that says you're not fully Christian until you get your life together like us. It's a false religion that says you're not fully Christian until you get your life together like us. It's adding to the gospel. It's Paul's message. And this is what it looks like for those of us who boast in the flesh. We avoid rejection. And so we put on appearances. Secondly, they avoid transformation. Look with me at verse 13. Even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. 
So they're circumcised, but they don't actually keep the law. These false teachers are often referred to as what? Starts with a J. Does anybody know? Judaizers, right. They're referred to as Judaizers. And this is a term that doesn't explicitly come from the Bible, but it's, it's based on the word and the phrase in Galatians chapter 2, which says this, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like a Jew? That's what a Judaizer is. It's one who lives like a Jew. It comes from the word zoe, life, and the word for Jew. Live like a Jew is a Judaizer. That's what it means. Adding lifestyle requirements, however positive, to the gospel of grace is to deny the gospel of grace. Adding lifestyle requirements to the gospel of grace is denying the gospel of grace. Because doing deeds doesn't really bring about transformation anyway. Paul talks about that in Colossians chapter 2. But false religion is about keeping up appearances. It's about the appearance of faithfulness without actually having to be faithful in our hearts. False religion will tell you that you have to follow certain rules, certain regulations to really be accepted by God. Back then, it was circumcision and avoiding certain foods and lots of other rules. Today, it might be tithing on your gross income, walking the beaches, passing out tracts, having hour-long quiet times, dressing modestly. But these rules, while good, have no power to actually transform us. But that doesn't stop false teachers from telling you and me, this is what you must do to be transformed. All the while, what's their dirty little secret? They don't even follow the law. They don't even follow the law. Paul says they do not themselves keep the law. Don't let them fool you. Jesus put it this way. This is his word recorded in Matthew chapter 23 where Jesus says, For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, Jesus says. They preach, but they do not, what? Practice. Obedience, conformity to the rules, does not bring about transformation. Only the grace of God in response to the frank confession of our sin can bring about true and lasting change. False religion boasts in the flesh. It avoids rejection. It avoids transformation. And it avoids relationships. This is so key right here, y'all. False teachers, false believers will befriend you, give you a reason to believe that they care about you. And then when they get what they want, they move on. Or when they don't get what they want, they move on. 
you are nothing more than a notch in their self-righteous belt. How many of us are guilty of that? I want to tell you a story about something that happened to Laurie and me 15 years ago, right after we were married. Laurie and I had just moved into our first apartment. And we started to talk about wanting to meet some people and get to know, hopefully, some young couple our age. So one night, we were wandering aimlessly around Walmart, as we often did. We were young and had no money, and Walmart was fun. Not really. And we were kind of discussing this issue of, man, I wish we had some friends to walk around Walmart with us, you know. <laughs> and, and almost immediately, around the corner in the houseware section, this young couple our age came walking down the aisle, and we struck up a conversation. It was like an answer to prayer right there in our, right there in our laps. They were super friendly. We must have stood there talking for 30 minutes. And at the end of the conversation, we exchanged numbers and went about our separate ways. Well, on the way home, I answered a phone call from the guy, and he invited us to an event, to a meet and greet at the Hilton that was being sponsored by their company. See, in the conversation previously, they had mentioned that they had just started a new business. Some of you know where this is going. Laurie and I were so excited that we had met new friends that we said, we will be there. We were thinking, maybe we can meet some more friends. We were desperate for friends. <laughs> we were ripe for the picking. Over the next month, Laurie and I, naive as we were, continued to meet up with this attractive young couple. But every conversation inevitably came back around to the business. Every conversation. Finally, we decided maybe if we just sign up for the business, then we can move on and we can just be friends. So we signed the dotted line. And once we signed the dotted line, we never heard from them again. So we canceled our membership. And we put the huge boxes of cleaning supplies that we ordered <laughs> into our attic. <laughs> and we learned a valuable lesson that day. False religion denies and avoids relationships. False religion is all about numbers. When the Judaizers were in Galatia, they were collecting foreskins. I'm putting it bluntly. <laughs> That's what they were doing. And when they went back to Jerusalem, they wanted to be able to stand up at the next meeting at the Hilton in Jerusalem and tell everyone, look at how many converts we got. Look at how many we got. People were just a means to an end for the false religion. And so we need to be careful that we don't allow our ministry, our churches, to treat people as cogs in a wheel. We need to be careful not to think of people as a potential notch in our belt. We need to be careful. And, and trust me, I'm a church planner. <laughs> it's exciting to have a big crowd. It is, and you feel like, oh, maybe something's happening here. But let us remember that this 
that a big crowd is what false religion looks for. A big crowd is what false religion seeks. Because false religion boasts in the flesh. But true religion boasts not in the flesh, but in the cross. Let's take a look at the last paragraph. Beginning at verse 14. Paul says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Though we are tempted to boast in the flesh, and we are, true religion boasts in the cross of Jesus Christ. The word cross is a synecdoche. It's a figure of speech where the part represents the whole, like boots on the ground. means soldiers on the ground, right? So the cross is not just talking about the death of Jesus, but it's actually referring to the whole gospel. It's referring to the, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Christ Jesus. That's what the cross is referring to. Not just the death, but, but the part representing the whole. And this is something to boast about, Paul says. A true believer is someone who boasts in the cross of Jesus. You can tell a true believer, one who practices the true religion by the following characteristics that Paul mentions. And they're going to mirror the three that we talked about before. Instead of avoiding rejection, the true believer embraces rejection. Look with me at verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Nothing says rejection like the cross. Nothing says rejection like the cross. Jesus came into Jerusalem and received the rowdy welcome of a crowd, palm branches waving, cloaks laid down on the road in front of him in a parade of followers crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna! And then a week later, He was rejected and despised. And not only was Jesus rejected by the people, But friends, on the cross, the Father turned His face away, as the hymn says. Jesus was forsaken by the Father on the cross. He suffered rejection and condemnation in His body on the tree. He embraced rejection. And this is what Paul is boasting about. It's the only thing that he will boast about. He says, far be it from me to boast in anything but the cross of Christ Jesus. Stuart 
Townend's hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, expresses this well where it says, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Amen? When we come to believe and trust in Jesus Christ and His work of redemption for us, we move from darkness to light. We move from the kingdoms of this world to the kingdom of heaven. And that move comes with a price. We will be rejected by the world just like Jesus. Just like Paul. The world is the part of the world that is opposed to God. It is the worldly people and the worldly systems that reject the lordship of God. The world boasts in the flesh. It's the same thing that we're tempted to do, but without repentance. The world boasts. It is self-sufficient, self-indulgent, self-righteous, and self-reliant. The world will tolerate religion as long as it doesn't meddle with its ways. But as soon as righteous men and women stand for justice and for righteousness, initiate kindness and love, the world will spit you out. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. A true believer embraces rejection. We boast in the cross. And we embrace not only rejection, but transformation. Look at verse 15. Paul writes, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Outward religious practices like circumcision will not bring us any closer to God. They will not help us overcome sin. False religion says you're not experiencing God's blessing because you aren't trying hard enough. Have you ever been told that? You're not trying hard enough. My mom had a brain tumor and her backdoor neighbor said, you have a brain tumor because you're not trying hard enough. There's not some magic formula or prayer or habit or ritual that you're not doing. Paul says, no, circumcision counts for what? Nothing. Circumcision counts for nothing. But notice that he also says, nor uncircumcision. Not just rule following, but rule breaking. Not just circumcision, but uncircumcision. And y'all, it's really become fashionable today for us to Reject religion in favor of relationship. To embrace the freedom that we have in Christ, but to let it turn into sin. This uncircumcision can be just as much a boasting in the flesh as circumcision is. That's why Paul says it. He says, not circumcision and not uncircumcision. Pastor Tim Keller writes this. The gospel is neither religion nor irreligion. 
It is something else altogether. Religion makes law and moral obedience a means of salvation, while irreligion makes the individual a law to him or herself. The gospel, however, is that Jesus takes the law of God so seriously that he paid the penalty of disobedience so that we can be saved by sheer grace. The cross is our boast. The cross makes us a new creation. Paul wrote these words to the Corinthian church. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. True religion boasts in the cross of Jesus, the gospel of grace, because by it we are born again by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Through faith in Jesus, we are united to Him. And we become a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. This is what matters to God. Circumcision, uncircumcision, they don't matter. What matters is a new creation. This is what gives us acceptance before God. And so we, brothers and sisters, must embrace and boast in the grace of God, which is able to transform our lives from the inside to the outside. The last few sentences, Paul tells us that true believers not only embrace rejection and transformation, but we embrace relationships. Look with me at verse 16 through 18. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. As Paul concludes his thoughts, he can't resist breaking out into a benediction. And he almost trips over himself in this benediction. It's it's the most bizarre benediction of all of his benedictions. And I'll I'll tell you what I mean. He begins it in verse 16. And then he, he interrupts his benediction with a last warning in verse 17. And then he finishes up his benediction in verse 18. Why does he do this? I think it reveals the heart of Paul for these people. He loves these people. He knows them. He cares for them. He is concerned for their souls and for our souls. He embraces his relationship with the Galatian church. It's real. He begins, peace and mercy. The cross of Jesus brings us peace with God through His mercy. And it is the cross of Jesus that breaks down the dividing walls of hostility that we have among Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free. It is in the cross that our relationship with God is restored. And our relationship with other people finds a healing place. Paul wrote earlier in his letter, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Here he says, all who walk by this rule are the Israel of God. God's chosen people, 
who God has said, I will have a covenant relationship with you forever. True religion embraces relationship, just like God embraces relationship with us through his covenant. Paul loves this church, but none of it is mushy-gushy. His relationship with them is honest and authentic, and so he is not afraid, even in the last, even breaking up the benediction, (laughs) to say, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. (laughs) What's he saying? He's saying, enough is enough, friends. Enough is enough. It's time to turn to Christ. It's time to believe the gospel and reject all these false teachers. Once and for all, Paul pleads with them, showing all of his cards. And how can they know he loves them? He follows it with this, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Where did he receive those marks? Where did he receive those scars when he was preaching the gospel to these people, to the Galatian church. That's where he received those scars, the marks of Christ. And he follows the sober warning with the final conclusion of his benediction, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit, brothers. At the end of the day, true religion is about boasting in the grace of God. For it is God's grace that we receive forgiveness and salvation. It is through God's grace that we are born again. It is through God's grace that we can embrace even rejection. It's through God's grace that we can embrace transformation, true heart change. And it's by God's grace that we can embrace relationship with God and with one another. Not through rule keeping. We were created to boast. Let us boast in the cross of Christ Jesus. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we are so full of boasting in ourselves, even if we don't say it out loud, we boast all the time. Lord, we, we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I pray that each person here would, would take time, even now, as we prepare to receive communion, that we would consider how do we boast in the flesh? How can we confess our sin of boasting in the flesh? How do we look for the approval of others? How do we avoid relationships? Lord, we pray that You would renew our faith today. That through this Word that has been proclaimed, through this body and bread that are broken, would You renew our hearts and our minds so that we might follow you more closely this week, boasting in the cross of Christ. Lord, do that work in us by your Spirit. In Christ's name, amen.